Welcome to the Student Ministry Podcast by LifeWay. You know the drill. If you haven't already, we would appreciate it if you'd go leave us a rating and a review on the podcast platform of your choice. Our team enjoys reading these, and we may even read yours on the next episode. These reviews help us get better, and they help other listeners like you find us. Hey, I'm your host, Ben Trueblood, here with Nathan and Katie today. Hello. And also, special guests, Daniel and Christina M. Hello Daniel. from Canada! It's great to be with y'all. <laughs> Daniel is a pastor of Beulah Alliance Church, co-host of the New Church's Q&A and In-Between podcast, and has authored several books, most recently, You Are What You Do, and Six Other Lies About Work, Life, and Love. Christina is homeschool principal of the Imagination School and co-host and producer of the In-Between podcast, a conversation on marriage, parenting, faith, and everything in between. Daniel and Christina, we're super excited to have you on today. Oh, we're so Thank glad to be so with you. Thank you so much for having us. Yeah. We are thrilled. I absolutely love the Imagination School. <laughs> uh, that Isn't is awesome? one of my favorite names for a homeschool that I've ever that I've ever heard. The kids came up with it actually, just a play on our last name. So, but the runner-ups were um, something to do with space, and our six-year-old son came up with "I hate school." <laughs> homeschool. <laughs> So that was a tough decision, yeah. but we decided yeah. on the imagination school. Yeah. <laughs> Principal of the I hate school school yeah. is, uh, doesn't, doesn't ring as well. That's you know, <laughs> if I was the 12 year old principal, I would think I would go for that one. But as the adults in the family yeah. and I mean, as their teacher, I decided, you know, let's go for a little bit more positivity. Yeah. And this is like finally redemption because I remember growing up my entire life with that last name M. <laughs> And always being made fun of. And uh, when I used to play hockey, you know, you'd have everyone have these long last names on the back of their jersey. And I would just have two letters and it would just look so dumb. So then the one season I was like, okay, you know what? I'm going to, I was talking to my dad. I was like, okay, I'm going to go D space dot space I space M. And then all of a sudden all the other players started calling me dim. And I was like, yeah. I'm done with hockey, so this yeah. is great. In between podcasts, imagination yeah. school, it's full on redemption. Yeah, we'll have some of our podcast family send us pictures like I'm possible instead of yeah. impossible. So <laughs> everybody's having a good, good old fun day. With yeah, that's right. <laughs> our last name. Just embracing it. I love it. Well, especially Daniel in hockey, where you're right. Like the names tend to be much longer. That's right. I can, I can Very see true. How Those Russian last names? Oh, yeah. Goodness. It's almost like they have to wrap from the back to the yeah, front. Yeah. It's like That's last right. name Envy, which is yeah. apparently a thing. So, Well, my maiden name uh, only has two letters as well. Yeah. So, yeah, yeah, we considered hyphenating it. Yeah. But, then, but actually, you know, yeah. Ben, you would have been, I mean, your last name, Trueblood, like that's... That's a killer last name for Especially hockey. Especially for hockey. Yeah. Any sport. You're like, whoa. It was like a yeah. huge Watch defenseman. Out. Yeah, exactly. The true blood's coming, coming yeah. your way. Bam. Yeah. Yeah. Yep. You hockey or uh, professional wrestling. Like, it, it could have uh, <laughs> There you go. worked that way. <laughs> well, you guys uh, do your own podcast as well. And you talk a lot about parenting. Like Katie said in the introduction, parenting and faith. And mm -hmm. we wanted to have a conversation with you guys today and kind of bring both of those things together. Because yeah. Daniel, I know you pastor the church there uh, and you guys have a podcast that talks about parenting and faith. And so um, we wanted to have a conversation that focused on partnering the church with the home right. in engaging parents with discipleship. So we all know and, and listeners to this podcast would 
sign their names to the statement that uh, parents are to be the spiritual, the primary spiritual influencer in the home. um, And that that is, they are the primary discipler. But what we also see sometimes is that churches will say, yes, we agree that parents are the primary disciplers, but there sometimes is a breakdown between partnering and equipping the homes to do that. It's almost Mm -hmm. like, hey, we recognize you as the primary discipler. Now just go do it versus a true partnership. So I would love to start there today and just ask the broad question, what does it look like to partner with parents who are seeking to be engaged in the in the discipleship process? And then we'll get to in a moment, okay. hey, what do we do about kids that are coming to our churches and their parents aren't engaged spiritually? Maybe their parents don't know the Lord yet or are just kind of indifferent. So we'll get to that in a minute. But for now, for parents who are seeking to be engaged in the discipleship process, what does it look like for the church to partner with them? Yeah, I'll much like most things, there's often a spectrum Mm -hmm. in terms of how churches can approach this. And given the assumption that you outlined that, yeah, parents are to be the primary disciplers of their youth and of their children, uh, given that assumption, I just want to give you guys this this idea. Um, so on the New Churches podcast that I do with Ed Stetzer and Todd Atkins, we've recently been kind of wrestling through not the not this question in relation to student ministry, but more in relation to who are you preaching to? So there's a sense of, okay, really, are you preaching to the the saved saints who've been followers of Christ for 30, 40 years? Are you, or are you doing kind of the seeker sensitive sort of thing and expecting there to be non-Christians there? And, and, and you can really assume a lot of things based on who your target audience is, yeah. right? And, and ministry can be completely different, like how you preach and how you connect with those in your church can be completely different based on who your target audience mm-hmm. is. So if we just have that assumption that, yeah, you know what, um, as a church, we want to equip our parents, we want them to be the primary disciplers of their children, then you can kind of look at it from one side to the other. Are parents going to be, on the one hand, disinterested, mm-hmm. right? They're like, yeah, I know I am, but I'm too busy and I don't yeah. have, I, but I get that I'm supposed to, but you know, I just don't really have a ton of time or are they going to be full on interested? And they're the ones that are listening to podcasts and reading books. And, you know, they have a whole library of different devotionals that they can do with their kids, (laughs) right? You have this full on spectrum of where they can be. So I think when it comes to that perspective, just recognizing that as a pastor, yeah, you're going to have that, uh, you're going to have that variety So when you think about it from that perspective, it's like then going from there and saying, okay, well, how do we measure movement, right? It's not necessarily saying you're either going to be or not, because your assumption is already, I want them to do this. We are going to build our church around equipping our parents, but how are you then going to move them from being disinterested to being interested? Mm -hmm. I love that you're talking about like, taking them from one step to the next, right? And I do want to say first um, that especially during this time, y'all, I know predominantly uh, the people who are listening are in ministry. I just want to validate the fact that everything in life has changed, right? Mm -hmm. And what you've done before and how no matter what metric you're 
using to compare to what it was before. Everything is different. So first, I just want to say y'all are doing an amazing job. I know that you have had to pivot and pivot and pivot over again. What you thought your ministry was before is different. You're doing online, maybe when you weren't doing before. So we just want to say y'all are doing an amazing job. And just to be able to call that out, because we are seeing the stats. And even in the own church that we're serving, the year that we had, everyone was just trying to do what they could do to survive and to take care of their own family and as well as the body of Christ that they're serving. And now we are seeing the effects of a year of none other and stress coming in and then um, feeling like you're serving out of an empty cup. And so we just want to be able to even take this time to be like, like draw closer to Christ. What do you need to do to be able to fill your own cup? And so be able to outpour because the uh, ministry that you're serving, the parents that you're serving, the kids that you're serving as well are feeling the same yeah, way. That's right. mm-hmm. And so I think it's really important to come back and because we can say all of this stuff and give you all the tools. But if you are just completely dry and there is no more water flowing from the well, this is just going to feel well, overwhelming. Yeah. And that's the yeah, thing, right? I mean, things might look the same uh-huh. or similar-ish to what it was last year, but there is like a ton of water under the bridge and you don't know how many fights. I mean, part of part of being a student and being a teenager is you are learning what life looks like and what your identity looks like apart from your parents, right? Mm-hmm. And now all of a sudden you are so in the same house all the time, spending so much time with your parents that really naturally speaking, you wouldn't have, or you've already, you know, begun that journey away and now you're brought back. And that's on the student side, right? So most student pastors recognize that, but as a parent, I mean, the amount of stress and times where parents have just been like, I have no idea what I'm doing, or you just go to your room, do your thing. I do my thing. And all of that, I mean, that wasn't a month, right? I mean, that's a year Mm -hmm. of all of that, that that's, that's, it's not, even though you may or may not wear masks, I mean, <laughs> all of that has actually shaped and influenced who we are today and, and what yeah. that family dynamic looks like at home. I think that's so true. Christina, I really appreciate you taking the time to, to say that of, to church leaders. And, and you guys are in this too. Mm-hmm. Like, you know what it's like to lead in a church for the last year. And so yeah. as you as you hear Christina and Daniel's encouragement there. It comes from two people that have also lived leading a church during this thing. Mm-hmm. Uh, and I, I think what's so interesting about what you said too, is that there are, I, I think there are, there are pastors, um, youth pastors, people in ministry who have still yet maybe even not recognized or admitted. Yeah, this has been a stressful year. It's just been go, 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 go. And eventually the go juice is going to run out yeah. <laughs> and right. we're going to have people that need to say, okay, I'm tired here. So youth pastors, I, you feel that way to some degree. And I think it's safe to also, you then assume if I'm feeling that way, then I know that parents are going to be feeling that way. Yeah. And perhaps a step towards them in partnering with the home is maybe to say in this moment, yes, we still believe that you're the primary discipler in your home, but we also just need to care for you. Yeah. Like we need to make sure that you are being refilled and refreshed. Hmm. Daniel, you mentioned a second ago to uh, the church. We're going to organize our church around this idea. 
Do you think that to do this really well, that it does take that high level of vision to say, hey, as a church, we're going to make this a big deal and we're going to structure towards that end? Oh, yeah. I mean, you know, you you just think years ago, there's this, and I know some churches still structure around this, but majority of churches were like, there's men's ministry and women's ministry and student ministry and kids. And there's a lot of this separation mm-hmm. going on and kind of little fiefdoms going on within a broader church. But when you think about how do you disciple the family, mm-hmm. right? You then have some churches who are like, well, yeah, we're going to just get rid of all that. And everyone's in a family service. And, and I don't, that's chaos as well. So <laughs> if you're doing it yes. well, then yeah. you know, contact Ben because <laughs> that's blessings to you. You deserve a yes. platform. Oh, yes. Oh, yeah, that's definitely. Right. Um, but I think part of it is as pastors, I mean, we need to look at it from a team approach. So I'll give you an example, right? We've been, uh, I, I, I served at Beulah for about five years and then I was at Lifeway for five and, and recently came back to undergo a succession process, uh, to be the lead pastor. So the last, you know, succession is difficult enough. Um, Mm. but doing that through a pandemic, uh, has accelerated (laughs) it in some senses and in other senses has really helped it move along and help the church, get a a sense of, yeah, okay, we're okay with this. Like everything has been flipped upside down Mm. and we're, we've just been pastoring and shepherding the church through this transition. But part of the piece is a lot of, in this transition, we've been able to relook at the way that we disciple people, right? And, and this is actually something that our discipleship pastor brought together our kids ministry, student ministry, adult ministry, and said, okay, how do we actually disciple the entire family and I know it's going to look different for students and for youth, but instead and, and for kids, but instead of saying adult ministries, you figure it out. And then now kids ministry and student ministry now just do whatever the adults did, but like mm. studentify it or kidify it. You know, we didn't, I know that's often what happens, but we were like, you know what, we need to, this needs to be a whole family thing because we know oftentimes it's in those transition moments that we lose kids. Mm-hmm. Right. The transition from kids ministry to students, students to adults, young adults yeah. and young adults and onwards. So we just wanted to be incredibly intentional to say, yeah, we need to do this together and we need to figure it out together because, man, how we disciple our students. I mean, it needs to relate with the way we disciple adults and kids or it's just going to break down within the home. So we've talked a little bit about like the parents who are wanting to be engaged in this process. Like we have, we treat, we've got to treat them differently than the ones who are far from the Lord or don't yeah. know the Lord. Um, I'd like for, to hear you describe kind of the spiritual state of the community that you're leading in there in Beulah, and then talk about some of the things that need to happen to engage those parents who are complacent or just, again, far from God, not really engaged, but to kind of, as to use your language, help them move forward in this journey, help them take another step. Mm -hmm. I think part of it is you have to start with what you got, right? And (laughs) when you think about what the pandemic has done to the church, I think most of the disinterested have left. Hmm. 
Um, and I think there is that point where we were trying to, you know, there was that phase where you play Coldplay songs at the beginning of your service, or you just kind of, <laughs> you do all these like, you know, fun things to try to get, that was and one I think, of my favorite phases. <laughs> right. <laughs> uh, and I think a lot of those people have dropped out. And what we've noticed over this last year is not that people, I mean, some people have left definitely, but there have been a ton of students and parents and adults and people who have come back to the church because mm -hmm. they've realized that uh, they're, <laughs> what they've been trying to do, the life that they've been trying to build, wasn't going the way that they hoped. And mm -hmm. everything kind of was exposed through the pandemic. So I think the neat thing that we have right now in this moment is most people are going to be interested, at least that's our context, mm -hmm. that most of the people who are coming and participating, they're interested. And in a sense, you have a little bit of a captive audience. You don't need to convince them that they need to be become better parents. Right. Yeah. They realize that they're not good parents. I mean, I think yeah. every parent realizes. Put everyone in a pressure cooker and see what happens. <laughs> exactly. Yes. So, so part of it is you don't really need to convince. Honestly, I think the moment that we are in right now is such an incredible moment of learning because there's been so much stripping away mm -hmm. and revelation of, man, I don't know what I'm doing. I don't have things together. I think what parents are longing for is someone to come in the midst of this massive information load, right? Where you just get, you can like Google whatever you want to Google and you're going to get a million articles on any which opinion here and there. Mm -hmm. How does the church then come alongside and help parents, whether they're followers of Christ or not, but help them in their specific need and then through relationship, introduce them to Jesus or help them draw nearer to Jesus in that way? Yeah, yeah, I think that's really key is community. We've heard from so many people with uh, in our church and outside of the church where they are grieving because they've realized how alone they are. Yeah. When mm. you take away your ability to see family, when you take your ability to be able to gather, uh, to go watch a soccer game together or wherever your kids are invested and interested in, you realize sort of the quality of your relationships. Mm -hmm. And so I think, part of the church, the body of Christ is being able to rejoice when we rejoice and suffer when we suffer right together. And so how are we able to build in, um, build in that community and the vulnerability to be able to share, like I'm struggling as a parent. Mm -hmm. If you don't feel like you can bring your struggles and your worries and your fears to church, where can you go? Yeah. Really? Yeah. So I think it's important to be able to build that. And also um, what we thought was helpful before may not be helpful now. Mm -hmm. And so being able as a youth pastor, as a kid's pastor, uh, wherever you are serving in the ministry, asking the people that you're serving, Hey, what is it that you need? Yeah, what right. are you questioning? Mm -hmm. What do you, what do you need help in? Because that may be completely different than what it was pre-pandemic. Yeah, who knows, right? I mean, lock lock-ins might become a thing again. You know what I'm talking about? Like, oh. <laughs> I know for all the youth oh, like, but man. I need my sleep. Yeah. But the reason I the reason I bring it back, and I've I've I I served at a as a youth. We've pastor done we've done our fair share multiple of. churches yeah. too. So I get it, I get it, but. The reason I talk about that is I wonder if one of the biggest gifts that you can give parents is reprieve and mm. is rest, especially because they've been with their students and with their, not students, with their children mm -hmm. for so long. And I know yeah. there's that sense where, no, 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 but they need to be the ones that disciple. They need, and, and they do, 
But how do we take a long view approach in this and realize that maybe the next year or two are, is going to be recovery, <laughs> mm. right? I mean, Simon Sinek's book, his newest one, The Infinite Game, is such a brilliant book because it really thinks, you know, it's really like, okay, I know with the, our culture's sense of instant gratification, it's like, no, no, no. And the, and the purists are like, no, we can't do that because if we open that door, then who knows what else will come or what, what else they're going to expect. And they can think that they're going to like give the discipleship and the parenting of their kids to the church. No, no, no. We need to realize what we've just come out of. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And possibly that's the biggest gift you can give both your students and their parents. Man, I, I want to hone in on a couple things that you guys pointed out. And I do think like as a parent, I would just say that would be an incredible gift for me yeah. <laughs> in this moment. So I, res- I resonate with that. Yeah. Um, Christina, you mentioned, Hey, just talk, ask your people what they need. Right. I think, and that's, that's like so simple but so brilliant because mm-hmm. I think as church leaders, sometimes we get, uh, I won't say we, I'll, I'll put myself in this. I won't incriminate anyone else. I think there have been times when I've served as a youth pastor in the past where um, I tried to anticipate what the needs are more than just asking. Mm. And I think there is part of leadership that is anticipating. But if we leave out the, hey, what do you guys need right now? Right. Then we're leaving out such a huge component of actual partnership in that. Uh, and then the other thing that you said, um, was dealing with developing an environment where vulnerability is okay for parents to just say, Hey, I'm struggling mm-hmm. or, Hey, I need help right now. Uh, and to experience vulnerability in community and, um, so true and so necessary in this moment. So I appreciate you pointing to those things. Christina, I'd love to start with you on, on this question. Yeah. What would, uh, Let's set up the scenario as um, kids or students are coming to the church. Uh, it, they might just be showing up with a friend, mm-hmm. uh, but parents don't know Jesus at all. Um, so they're not in this kind of, I bring my kids, but I'm not super engaged in church. That, that Daniel, you're right. We've seen a lot of that kind of stop during, during the pandemic, mm-hmm. but parents just don't know the Lord at all. And they tolerate their kids or teenagers going to church because they go with a friend. Um, What would you say to the church leader, maybe equipping them to be a missionary in their own home, uh, to take the gospel from the church in, in terms of partnership, to take the gospel from the church into the home, not for the sake of them discipling their kids, but for the sake of seeing them come to faith in Christ. Mm-hmm. I think there's, uh, I immediately think of two things. First is if uh, you're as the youth pastor and you're having kids come in for uh, that are non-Christian, or maybe they are Christian themselves, but their parents aren't Christian. I think the power of, of teaching them that God hears their prayers Mm. and teaching them and even exemplifying having prayer times of being able hey let's pray for let's pray for our parents let's yeah. about being able to show them 
um, that God loves them. And just because we are not believing the same thing that our parents believe, there's a fine line between that of like, okay, how do we respect and honor our parents? But as well as when they're toting something that I don't believe in, how how do we respond? And that is really, really tricky. I'm not here to say that I have all the answers, but I think even asking the question and being able to take the time for critical thinking and being able to, to say that out loud and have opportunities for them to, to think about it and to be able to talk to each other without it, then you feel that you're not so alone. Mm-hmm. On the other side, as thinking of going back to what do you need? What do you need from the church? We can ask, especially asking the parents of, of um, th- that are non-Christian, what do you need? Perhaps they worked two full-time jobs and they are dropping their kid off at uh, youth group and are going to come back in two hours and pick them up. And they have had not time to wash their car, to get gas, to yeah. have a meal. How amazing would it be if there was a cookout where before youth group, so everybody could come. I know COVID, you know, might throw a wrench in that, but just an idea. Depending on um, where you live. That's true. <laughs> that's right. Here, here yeah. would not be, but you know, maybe or pick up Chick-fil-A for everybody, yeah, right. right? And have an opportunity where y'all can all gather together and you can share a meal. And then the kids go in, or maybe you, you know, have coffee and dessert after for the parents to be able to mingle or yeah. really eat and run. So just having that really practical, like breaking bread together, Mm. what does that look like? Where if you are wanting community, then you have an opportunity. If you just want your belly to be filled, you have that opportunity as well. Yeah. Yeah. I love that. Um, I'm reminded of Rosaria Butterfield's book, The Gospel Comes with a House Mm. Key. And she Mm. has that phrase, right? Radically ordinary hospitality. And I wonder, especially in this situation, I mean, we know in 1 Corinthians 3, uh, it talks about our role as being that of planting seeds and watering them, right? Whereas God is the one who will bring the growth. God is the one who will transform and save uh, the parents who don't know Christ. But we need to be great seed sowers and and waterers of those plants. So I love that idea, Christina, because on the one hand, it's so, it's like, that is like, that is hospitality. Mm-hmm. Whereas like, I mean, it's just, and you're not, you're not, you know, giving them meatloaf or anything gross like that. It's, <laughs> who doesn't like Chick-fil-A? Come on. Right. I mean, seriously. So I'll take pizza, you know. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. But it's not, Me just too. For the, it's not just for the students, right? It's for the parents to connect. I know yeah. for me, and I didn't do this, but as we've been talking about this, um, I didn't do this when I was a student pastor, but um, I wonder what it would look like if the student pastor doesn't see the students and pastoring the students as their as their main responsibility, but they mm-hmm. actually see their main responsibility as pastoring the parents and their leaders, right? I completely miss the parent side of things. For me, I was like, I want to be the cool youth pastor that, you know, youth will call up and I want to be there for them. And I'm going to do life together with my leaders and create this awesome community with our young adult leaders and parents and all. And well, not necessarily parents, but whoever wanted to volunteer. And I parents were an afterthought for me. But I wonder what would have shifted if I said, you know, I'm going to equip my volunteers and leaders. They're the ones that are going to pastor and shepherd the students. And my focus is going to be on them and the parents. Like, I wonder what would change. Yeah, I love that. You guys uh, have said a lot of things that all connect back to one principle that I would like to uh, just kind of raise to the top here. And that's relationships. Mm -hmm. All of the things that you've that you've pointed to 
uh, you know, relationships that take different ideas and different directions based on what part of the spectrum parents are on in their faith. But rela- purposeful relationships has risen to the top here over and over and over. Um, Daniel, having been around you at Lifeway a little bit, yeah. and Christina having done a couple of these things with our launch event last August and now and now being on the podcast, I feel confident enough to say this, that you guys uh, are super relational people. Um, so hearing that come out in this mm. is not surprising to me at all. Um, I would venture that, uh, your relation, like your church mm. by your leadership is probably super relational as well, uh, or at least headed in that direction. So mm. I just wanted to take a second and raise that up, affirm that in you and just tell you how much I appreciate the approach to ministry that you've laid out today. It is I think it's needed in this moment, especially because people are so starved from for mm, relationship over right. the last year. Yeah, I, I, yeah, we really appreciate that, and and mm. I just wanted to say, as as you said that, I'm not okay. Full disclaimer: I'm not saying this because I used to work for Lifeway, and I'm not saying this because <laughs> y'all have incredible resources and curriculum and camps. That's okay. So I just had to say that because I think some people might think that when I say what I'm about to say. But as a former student pastor, I probably spent more time focused on the content and the studies and mm-hmm. what I was going to do to shape the students. And I would like, look at this, look at that. But I'd spend so much time on content creation um, that the relationship suffered as a result. Mm-hmm. And I think what would have changed is I wonder if I were to have been better at resourcing, at using resources like the ones that you guys provide. And instead of creating an entire youth retreat by myself Mm. and us figuring out everything by ourselves, you know, leveraging and going to Fuge or going to a student camp that you guys put on, like, I wonder if that would have actually been the thing that would have helped me be able to pour into my parents and have the time to, but I just didn't have the time because I was so focused on content but I wonder if this year, more than ever, this next year, is the year to say, you know what, leverage resources that are out there so that you can pour fire and fuel into the relationships because that's what people need right now. Yeah. Yeah. That's yes good. and amen. Yeah. So that was not a plug. I did not get paid. We're not. This is. We're just doing this for fun. This is. So yeah. That was perfect. I love. Yeah. I love. You are right, though, because I I would put myself in that same in that same bucket. Rewind the clock ten years ago, and I I'm a student pastor in Virginia. We were writing all of our own curriculum, oh, and yeah. we spent so much time. Now I, you know, I thought what we were teaching was good. Yeah, <laughs> but your question is so important, I think, for every ministry leader to ask. Mm-hmm. And it's a time trade-off question. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Is the is the return on my investment doing this for these hours going to be a long-term benefit in the ministry right. over spending those hours doing showing up at a school campus or having uh, parents out for coffee or whatever it might be? It's all about time trade-off decisions. So uh, I appreciate the resource plug. I also <laughs> j- just appreciate the principle in general because it yeah. is absolutely necessary to ask that question. Yeah. And I'll, I'll tell you what, I mean, for me, I'm stepping into 
the lead position at this church. And I mean, Beulah has been around for, this is our hundredth year as a mm. church. The church has planted over 60 churches in a hundred year history. Wow. I mean, pre-COVID, we were running three to 4,000 on a weekend, multiple campuses, you know, more than 50 staff. And I share all that, right? I Not, not to toot our horn, but just to give you the context that when I look at our kids pastor, our student pastor, our adult, you know, all of our pastoral staff, you know, as someone in my position, I'm like, I would rather you spend all of your time focusing on equipping parents Mm -hmm. and being with volunteers and being with leaders, right? Ephesians 4, we got to equip the saints for the work of ministry. I would rather spend, you know, you spend all of your time on that and let's increase your budget to buy curriculum, buy resources. You don't have to create like, time trade-off like that question like that is like that is who we need to be pastoring our 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 children and our Mm -hmm. students and Mm -hmm. our and our people and i will say this um because i always like to look introspective if you're struggling with doing that i think you need to take a moment and ask why because if that's your strong suit, if your strong suit is studying the Bible, not saying don't study the Bible or writing curriculum, but your weakness is spending time with people, you may be spending your time on what you're really good at because you're afraid of what you're not good at, mm. or you're afraid of what has not come well, naturally to you. Yeah. So I think that, you know, being able to take some time and asking why, why am I leaning to one bent versus the other? And then being able to reflect on that and, and grow in that as well, I think is really important. Yeah, Man, that, that's a big deal. Because I would say part of it for me was just that I thought it was cool to write our own stuff. Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> like simply just vulnerable. I I right. thought, man, we can say we do all this ourselves. Uh, totally wrong motivation. So had mm. I asked wow. the question, Christina, that you just laid out, I would have been like, "Ooh, there's some pride there that needs <laughs> to be, <laughs> needs to be discovered and there. What's going out. on? Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> right, and grace. Right. Yeah, that's right. There is no condemnation in Jesus Christ. And so, but being able to see our shadow sides, being able to see why are we doing what we're doing, I think is really important. And then the places where maybe you're not so strong in, perhaps you can partner with other parents, other uh, students, Mm. other people around you and be like, you know, this is, this is not my strong suit. Can we partner together to be able to grow in this and grow our ministry in that way too? Mm -hmm. I love it. Well, Daniel and Christina, we love doing stuff with you guys. It's always Likewise. so fun. Yeah, it's fun yeah. <laughs> and uh, hopefully we'll be able to do more of this again soon. Wish you well there in uh, in Beulah as you guys lead and with the in-between podcast and the Imagination School. Like we we, we want to we wanna wish you <laughs> yeah. well there too. Thank you guys for Appreciate being on it. today. Thank awesome. you for having Thank us. You. Hey, we'll be right back after this Short message for some more conversation on this super amazing topic. With Parent Partner, planning and scheduling a month of parent ministry content is easier than ever. For just $15.99 a month, Parent Partner provides customizable digital monthly content for you to send directly to parents to help them make the most of four regular weekly discipleship moments with their students. When parents feel prepared to disciple their teenagers, everyone wins. To learn more and subscribe, visit lifeway.com slash parent partner. So guys, I, I think you'll both agree with me. Like I just love talking to them. They are, Daniel and Christina are amazing. They are energetic, enthusiastic. Like they, man, 
it's so insightful. It's it's just a mm-hmm. good conversation every time. We had them on the yeah. on our launch event last August, and you can find their session on student ministry that matters on YouTube. But uh, what do we take away from today? A lot of stuff in there. So much stuff. I have a few things <laughs> written down. Um, I'll say the thing that stuck out the most to me really is their their bent toward relationships. And you you know, uh, listeners have heard us talk over the last six to eight months so many times about the new metric for uh, discipling students being relationships. And I love that that's just like the scoreboard um, has changed for parent ministry as as well. And it is really all about relationships. And I love that they talked about, you know, as as tired as ministry leaders are, um, so are parents. Mm -hmm. Uh, I felt like that was a really good, you know, if we adjust the scoreboard, have we sort of adjusted the starting point as well? Start with tired parents and go from there. Where do you go from there? Yeah, I like that language too. Like if we've changed the scoreboard, have we changed the starting place and just realizing that of the situation that people are in. Nathan, uh, I saw you grab for the pen a couple times uh, there throughout. What you, what you got? I did. I have <laughs> quite a few notes. Now I've just got to read what I wrote. Um, <laughs> uh, a couple of things that really stuck out to me was whenever he talked about maybe we need to take some time and think about how to have wisdom for recovery, for coming coming out of this. Mm-hmm. Um, and and I was like, man, that really like I hadn't really thought of that. I think it's I think it's typically I feel like student pastors, youth pastors, like as we're leading, we try to be innovative, which I think we should be, but we try to be, sometimes we're the most, I feel like sometimes we're the most cutting edge of the church, right? And we're trying to push that envelope, you know, like we're trying to get on to do the next big thing. Like, what can we do? What, what can we change? And I think sometimes we really forget to look at the, like, what really is going on today. So have wisdom for that recovery. And then also kind of tying into that, like ask ourselves, like, what do parents need today? Because I think we're thinking in the mindset of like, you know, okay, we're thinking about how do we do reopening? How do we get small groups going again? How do we do all of these things? And I think we can move on too fast. And even something that he said that I didn't, I mean, I'm not a parent, so I can't, I can't relate, but it really hit me hard is like, man, some parents maybe have reached kind of a rhythm. Some parents may have reached a rhythm and fallen out of it. Like, I just think there's all of our families are probably still somewhere anywhere inside of this whole thing with with COVID and quarantining and just what all has been going on. I think there can obviously be ups and downs in that. And so to really just take time and say, man, what do parents need today? So that, so Christina's practical examples of like maybe just a meal so they don't have to grab it beforehand, but they can just grab it and go. Like you're not asking them, maybe it's not something like you're trying to plan something like we're going to do a parent meeting and all these other things, like just provide, hey, here's this. We know we need it. We love you. Now we know you need to go take care of other stuff because you're working all the time and all yeah. this stuff or whatever's going on. Like to me, that just stuck out really, really strongly to me. One of the things that I thought of uh, just idea wise as we were having that conversation is as student ministries go to camp this summer, maybe create something that you give to the parents that are just some not to do's, but like some ideas for them to experience rest. Mm, or something yeah. that they can read through that would speak to their refreshment or, well, restfulness during that season when teenagers will be out of the house uh, in terms of maybe what parents need right now is just a break. Uh, that's one of the practical things I thought of throughout. And then I mentioned to Christina and Daniel, the ones that stuck out to me already. Uh, and that's the asking for people what they need and then the develop an environment where parents are free to say, 
like, hey, this is what I'm going through. I need help. I think one of the hardest phrases for a person to utter is I need help. Yeah. Uh, and that's coming from somebody that really struggles to say that phrase. Like it, I need help is really, really hard, I think, for people to say. Uh, and so the other side of that is student pastors. If you have parents or people in your ministry that are choosing to say that to your church, to you personally, or to a small group leader, then that's a good sign that you're building a culture where vulnerability exists because the reality is, is that everybody needs help with something. And so it's just about asking Asking what that is. And then I love Daniel's like closing remark about uh, the the radically ordinary hospitality from mm -hmm. Rosario Butterfield. Um, man. It's a good that's one. A, that's a good it word. It is. This has been another episode of the Student Ministry Podcast by Lifeway. We'll see you next week.